welcome to the Financial Planning for Canadian Business Owners podcast. You will hear about industry insights with award-winning financial planner and entrepreneur, Jason Pereira. Through the interviews with different experts with their stories and advice, you will learn how you can navigate the challenges of being an entrepreneur, plan for success, and make the most of your business and life. And now, your host, Jason Pereira. Hello and welcome. Today on the show, David Eby, CEA and financial advisor in Montreal. And he is a author of a book called Executor Help. I brought him on the show specifically to talk about what it is to be an executor and how to plan to make sure your executor can have a successful execution of someone's will, both if you are a business owner and if you're not. And with that, here's my interview with David. David, thanks for taking the time. Jason, thanks for having me on. David, tell us a little bit about what it is you do and who you are. Well, I'm a certified executive advisor. I've been in the financial planning industry for over 35 years in Montreal. And uh, as you said in the opening, I'm an author of the book, Executor Help, How to Settle an Estate, Pick an Executor and Avoid Family Fights. And um, basically, I came. I ended up writing this book during the pandemic because it's partially based on my family story of Seven years, 10 court appearances, and $50,000 to settle my parents' estate, and they had a will. So every time I would talk to with clients or executors of what I was going through about 10 years ago, they would tell me about the problems they were having. I'd hear about families that were breaking up. So I didn't want anybody else to go through what I went through, so I wrote the book. That sounds incredibly painful off the bat. And expensive. And expensive, but also just like, again, someone got organized or at least thought they got organized and you have this kind of pain. And I always tell people, look, if you if you really want the people you leave behind to curse your name when they think of you, leave a disorganized estate. Like you are just leaving them with a giant mess if you do that. So I want to start off before we talk about your story, um, if you're willing to share it that much. Let's just talk uh, talk about what are the responsibilities of an, of an executor. And let's just go back. I'm just going to set the stage here. We've had other cases or other episodes that talked about estate planning, specifically the need for a will. Okay. We talked about that, but we really haven't talked too much about how these things can go sideways. So let's talk about the role of the executor and what needs to be done to make sure that that's a success. Well, the executor is going to be the individual who's going to make sure that the the wishes of the testator, the person who's written the will, that their wishes that's written in the will is going to be carried out. So they are most individuals who are taken on this big giant favor, they have to understand what's involved in terms of the responsibility. You're you're looking to spend anywhere between 100 hours and 18 to 24 months to settle an estate on average. And that was before pre-COVID. And in my case, it took over seven years. So when you want to leave that job to somebody or ask that someone to take on that, that one big favor, you want to prepare them as much as possible because 99% of the individuals who are left to be an executor, have absolutely no idea what to do or where to start. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the uh, degree to which I've seen people fight over who gets to be the executor as if it's an honor as opposed to a massive pain in the butt is beyond belief. But it happens. And unfortunately, in some cases, you definitely want to make sure some people are not executors for various reasons. So that's their job. Talk to me about preparation of the estate and how we basically set the stage for success. Well, well I should back it up a little bit because <laughs> we're, we're talking about estates and wills and executors. We're, we're going under the assumption that most Canadians have a will in a state and it statistically it shows probably about 60% of Canadians don't have an estate or will plan. So that's part of the reason for the book. It's to get people to make those, to make the moves to have the will, then also have the conversations with the executor. This is probably the least sexiest topic that you're going to have on your show talking about death, but spoiler alert, we're all going to die and you have to make the decision 
that do I want to leave my and you said before a mess and I like to say do you want to leave a legacy or do you want to leave a legacy and a mess so you want to have you want to prepare your executor as much as possible but you also have to have the conversations with them you have to let them know what your wishes are you're going to also have to make sure that you help them set them up with a bunch of professionals around them an accountant that's going to help to have to do the the uh, the tax return especially the final tax return you want to have your lawyer help them guide through if there's going to be any legal matters especially when they have to deal with unscrupulous and um, miserable and I'll use the word in quotes miserable beneficiaries because you really don't know about somebody until you have to share an inheritance with them. So you want to make sure that you prepare them as much as possible and make it easier on them to get the job done. Like I said, it's going to take over 100 hours and those 100 hours a lot of times people are going to have to take time off from work to get uh, get to get the job done and they've got to deal with those beneficiaries. Beneficiaries who oftentimes are not sympathetic or don't understand why it's taking so long or start getting suspicious. And exactly. The exactly. Uh, money changes people, unfortunately. Okay. So that's the expectation. As I said, so let's talk about prepping in advance. How do we prevent things from going sideways before death, before the will, assuming the will is done, a will is in place. How do we prevent that? Well, you would sit down with the uh, executor, let them know where the will is kept, who are the professionals that are involved. I like to advocate that you have a brightly colored envelope, maybe red or yellow, and let the executor know that in my home or wherever, not a lot, not in a safety deposit box or a vault or anything like that, which it can't be accessed, but somewhere in a filing cabinet, it's a bright yellow envelope or a red envelope. And in there, it'll have the will, it'll have, um, you know, the names of the you know, the accountant, the lawyer, things that make it easier on them. You know, the pre-planning funeral you might have done, all of those things are in that brightly colored envelope. Because when there's a death in the family or there's a death, people are traumatized and you can't be fumbling around looking for things when you're traumatized. So make it as easy as possible on the executor to find the will. Also inside the will, something we don't, uh, a lot of people don't think about is your logins and passwords, which are the digital assets. You know, for every email address, there's probably about 130 digital addresses which would be, you know, YouTube, your bank, uh, your online banking. It could be um, your gym membership. All of the things that go through monthly that you need to get, have access to for the passwords. Same thing for your cell phone, your iPad computer. You need to have those, all the logins and passwords inside that brightly colored envelope along with your will to make it easier on the executor to get the job done. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah. And just letting them know where it is. I'd also add that unfortunately people will think or believe in many cases they are entitled to, or the parent wanted to have certain objects or things when someone died and that that person's passing is the invitation to go ahead and take that. Now that has to be made clear at the onset. That Correct. Because when we, where it is, because your part of your question was, well, what if someone was to die, what would happen? So, or, or how to prepare them while the individual is still alive, I would suggest not only have that conversation with their executor, but also have the conversation with the beneficiaries or the family members. And this is probably a touchy point for a lot of people because people don't want to have those uncomfortable conversations. People, there's three types of families. There's a family who will not do anything at all and there's no will 
and you know there's there's going to be a mess there's the family who has conversations but they've only say yeah there's a will and they don't say what's in it and they let the paperwork do the talking and that's where the hurt feelings come in and then there's a family who has the ongoing conversations with their beneficiaries and the family saying these are my wishes and this is what i would like going forward i don't want any problems with the executors this is who i've chosen as the executor and this is what is stated in my will yes they're going to be upset they might be pissed off. They may not talk to you because there is a sense of entitlement. And as you said earlier, that money changes people. Absolutely. In my case, we were three kids. And the only mistake my parents didn't have, even though they had their will done in my office, is that they never had the conversation with the three kids. Uh, two of us knew about it. The third one, once my parents did pass away, they started to contest the will, even though the will was supposed to be split three ways. Split three ways was unfair enough for this individual. So we had to go to court and they wanted to contest. So it's important that you have those conversations with your family. I think it's the most important thing right after making sure that your estate and your will is taken care of is that you have the conversation with the family. Don't take for granted that everybody gets along at Christmas and just uh, let's, let's have fun and we're a great family at family vacations. You have absolutely no idea how they're going to behave when you're no longer here. So you might as well prepare them now. Agreed. And it's um, unfortunately very, very few clients have ever taken me up on a family meeting, which is unfortunate, but uh, hopefully we'll be able to, hopefully the, the planning, the planning hasn't been controversial to date, luckily. But again, as you said, a perfect example, you know, a three-way split was not perceived as equitable by one candidate. And that can, you got seven years of your life that that went down the drain for that one. The other thing too, is that people's perception of what's fair can change over time. And I find that in particular, in the towards the end of life of a parent, you have, there's almost never an equitable split in terms of time supporting that parent amongst the kids. And many times people will start to tell themselves a story that, well, I helped mom and dad through the last couple of years, and therefore I'm entitled to more, or I'm entitled to this. And you weren't there Absolutely. in the last couple of years or whatever it is, or, you know, my sibling lived across the country and they couldn't support them. So why should they get their fair share? So people will tell themselves all kinds of stories as to why they should be entitled to what they are entitled to, either right or wrong. But it is a very, very easy thing to get <laughs> to, to, to end up in conflict. But at, but at the end of the day, it's the parents, the testator who's written the will, they can do absolutely anything they want with it. There is no, you're, there, there's no right. But again, people lose their minds and there's a sense of entitlement all of a sudden when it comes to an estate. Well, the one the one thing I will contradict you on there in the peasant province is there can be dependency claims, right? So mm -hmm. if that adult child was a dependent of the parent, then the parent cannot simply cut them off and say, you got your fair share, everybody else is getting the other, the rest of it, right? And then unfortunately, there's a precedence case in Vancouver out of BC with, uh, for lack of a better term, a deadbeat son who basically just never worked lived off his parents, mooched off them, didn't have anything wrong with them, just didn't just mooched off them. And uh, the parents like, you know what? I think I've given them enough. I'm just to leave everything to my other two kids. Well, they actually had a posthumous dependency claim against the estate, which is, right. yeah. So that can, that can happen. That can happen. But otherwise, barring a dependent that you are, as someone who's actually dependent on you, yeah, they can do whatever they want. And, and that's why there's no, a lot of times there's no family conversations because they want to stay away from the confrontation. Well, why are you giving more to, or even when it comes down to the situation of choosing an executor, you might have three kids and you know what, to make it easy so that there's not any confrontation, you're going to name all three kids. Whereas maybe only one of them or two of them are really good at getting things done. And the other one might live out of the, the country or, you know, out of province. 
and you need three signatures if you're going to choose three co-executors to get things done. But if you choose one particular child, for example, and you have to explain to the other two, this is the reason why I chose them. And they have to live with that. Again, it's you can do whatever you want with your estate, but people want will get their nose out of joint to feel this a sense of entitlement. But then as an executor, you also have to understand that there's a legal liability for you to make sure that the estate gets settled, make sure that the taxes are being taken care of, and also to keep yourself from being uh, litigated by the beneficiaries, I advocate that you stay in contact with them. You said earlier that, you know, was it taking so long and stuff like that? They have no idea what the job entails. So that's why, you know, maybe every two weeks you have a Zoom meeting or you send out emails. This is what's going on. This is what I'm doing. I'm working towards getting the uh, clearance certificate, et cetera, et cetera, from uh, CRA and just keep them in the loop. As soon as there's radio silence on behalf of the executor, that's just one reason they're saying you're up to something, you're doing something. So just keep them in the loop of what's going on so they can't come back and say, well, I didn't know this was going on. Just let them know, let the beneficiaries know what's going on so you'll save yourself some legal liability. And you know, I'll even throw one other thing in there. Uh, if that child or that, that it, if one of the executive's names is an American or based out of the U.S., uh, you could create all kinds of issues with American tax law that you weren't counting on. So you got to be very careful about that. Okay. So the executors, let's review. So the executors' duties, as we said, are to basically disperse the, distribute the proceeds of the estate and settle the estate in the person's personal affairs. Sounds straightforward enough, but winding down something can be very, very complex. You know, the communication aspect during. So basically, I think that's also a vital component. But can you speak to? you know, any experience you have or what, you know, ideas you have for what happens when beneficiaries start getting antagonistic? Well, it's more the communication part in the book. There's there's three goals to settling the estate. And I say that you first want to make sure you file the right tax return and you pay the taxes, then you pay the beneficiaries, and then you get the clearance certificate and close the estate. Do not start paying out to the beneficiaries just because they say, well, you know, you know, I need help with my mortgage or I want to go on a vacation. I want to buy a boat. I know this is this amount of dollars is coming to me or I'm expected something. Can you send me the money now? I advocate don't pay any beneficiaries until you've taken care of all of the debts and the the taxes first, mm -hmm. because if it comes back that the estate owes money, try to get that money, reclaim that money from the, the beneficiaries that they've got to put in to help pay the taxes. So I'm a big proponent is make sure that the taxes and debts are paid first before you start doling out any of the cash. And that's why I say it's very important to make sure you're working with an accountant that uh, is professional as an, uh, an idea, knows what to do when it comes to settling an estate and might be open to, from time to time, letting the uh, beneficiaries know, maybe through an email, what's going on and what's taking so long, because, you know, there might be uh, some capital gains, it might be selling investments, that sort of thing like that. And I also advocate having a financial advisor that may help with the assets, managing them until they have to be doled out, or if they're going to be rolled over, have a, a financial advisor as part of your, uh, your team. Most, like I said, 99% of executors don't have any idea of what to do, where to go, how to get started. So it's important to surround yourself with professionals. On average, I just talked about three, the accountant, the lawyer, maybe a real estate agent, but a financial advisor, but you could go up as, as high as 17 different professionals helping you settle the estate. You might need an auctioneer, you might need an estate individual. So the basics is to have the accountant, the lawyer, 
financial advisor. Absolutely. So, okay. And I've even gotten, I mean, most people tell me the same thing, just actually don't even distribute anything until there's a clearance certificate from CRA telling you you're fully good to do so. Yeah. Then, Because I mean, this is one of the things people don't take into consideration is the liability, right? Like they're, they're liable to CRA and to the other beneficiaries to do this right. And if not, they're exposing themselves to, to massive headaches. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about how this applies to business owners in particular. Okay. So what are the, what tips and tricks or what advice do you have for people who have incorporated businesses and how they can best be preparing executors for success? Well, I know your show's based on business owners and you talk about how complex their lives are because, you know, it's a different animal working for yourself, working for someone else, and as opposed to working for yourself. And I think since the the pandemic, it's made a lot of business owners reevaluate their business and their lives. Um, a lot of them are thinking now about, you know, what if I got sick tomorrow? What if I died? And then when it comes to estate planning, and there's always those unexpected emergencies or unexpected things that might happen. It could be a disability, a divorce, a disillusionment of the, um, the company or a partner breakup. So Besides the estate plan, it's really important that they have a succession plan. And I like to talk about the, um, I don't know if you're sure, um, familiar with Tony Shea, who is yep. from Zappos. Zappos and had a very yeah. interesting late life experience, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, just to, because it's a pretty, a pretty interesting story to break it down. He was the founder of the online shoe retailer, Zappos.com. 2009, Amazon bought uh, the company for uh, $1.2 billion. He made about $214 million. In August of 2020, he passes away. Um, he, he retires. That was in August. In November, he passes away two weeks before his 47th birthday. And then at that point, he was estimated net worth is about $850 million. Problem is he had no will, no succession plan. And when by the time they went into his home, which first it was his, his cousin that was looking after him while he was in the hospital after he passed away, the uh, judges put his father and his brother in charge of the his estate they went into the house and they found thousands of poster notes of all these business deals all over the walls, deals in Las Vegas and Utah. He didn't have a, a net worth statement or a master list of his assets or liabilities. So the reason why I use him as an example, which can be any business owner whatsoever, is if with as a business owner, if you don't think about what's going to happen to the business, you're leaving your family in chaos. You're leaving them disorganized. So you need to have a some sort of plan in terms of what would happen if something was to happen to you. Do you have someone that's going to look after your business? Are you going to sell the business or do you want the business sold? But again, if that business is what has been the livelihood of the, of the family, you need to make sure that they're being going to be taken care of. So you need to have a succession plan in place because far too often business owners leave their family, like I said before, in in chaos. So they need to figure out what needs to uh, needs to happen. Yeah, it's a tough one. Unfortunately, um, I mean, it's funny. It's endemic in our industry in particular, too, where the advisor is passing away with no succession plans. It's uh, you want to destroy enterprise value, fail to plan because it's going to happen. Yeah. So it's it, and I would say also the level of complexity also just increases substantially for these things, right? From a tax standpoint and from a settlement standpoint, typically you're in Quebec, you don't have uh, probate or the need for dual wills like some other provinces do. Right. But, you know, in Ontario, basically, we, we typically plan around having two wills, one for all the corporate assets and things that don't need to be probated and one for that does. So that often confuses people out of the gate is like, why is there two wills? This makes, you know, it's very confusing to them. And they can very easily screw up the probate application if they're not careful. 
But I'd say the bigger, and then, and then the last piece of it is if they're not working with the accounts and the advisors properly, that estate's going to get hit with a whack more taxes than it probably should because there's all kinds of things known as post-mortem planning we have to do in Canada to basically prevent double taxation in corporations. But see, all of the things we're talking about, it makes sense to business owners that they should be doing this, but mm-hmm. they don't because they're not thinking about this particular subject that we're talking about. They're worried about meeting payroll. Are they being profitable? What's the market look like? How are we uh, in their industry? How are they gonna keep the business going? How do they keep the lights on? How do they pay the employees? So what we're talking about makes sense to you and I as advisors, but um, business owners don't think about it until it actually happens. And that's what some of the, the biggest dangers and stress that come to a family, especially if it's a business owner, is what's going to happen to your family? What does your family do? So I suggest as, as a business owner, what you need to do is you need to create an estate plan. You need to create a succession plan and update it regularly and have a, a conversation with your the lawyer and accountant because it's an ongoing ongoing piece of uh, uh, paperwork that's going to have to keep going all, all the time. Work with the lawyer and also work with an insurance professional because it's probably going to need some tax planning and an insurance professional will be able to help with that. But again, this is so far off the radar of most business owners. It's common every day. But yep. once they do this, They're going to feel a lot more confident in terms of what their future is going to look like because they know that they haven't left their family lost or disorganized if something was to happen. I hear you. And it's um, it's not just lost or disorganized. I mean, the the other issues also, too, is that people will take care of these things. But like you said, you know, not revisit it necessarily. Right. And I like to always say planning is a verb, not a noun. Just because you have a will done five years ago doesn't mean it's valid today and doesn't mean that the people you had the conversation with remember. It doesn't mean you remember it. I mean, the number of times I've come across wills where they're like, wait a sec, that's in there. I haven't spoken to that person in X number of years or, oh boy, we need to cut that person out. We, what we didn't add this person yet. That's you know, those mistakes. Uh, I'll give you a perfect example. A couple of weeks ago, I uh, was visiting my, my mom who's passed away. It's over 10 years now, but I met, I met, a, I saw her cousin and she's 93 years old. And I don't know how we got onto it. She heard about the book or something. And so she left the room, came back and showed me her uh, will. I said, okay. So I'm reading through it. And I'm, and I saw the, who the beneficiaries, cause she owns a home in, uh, in the Caribbean, in, in Barbados. Oh. And I saw the name, who the, who the beneficiaries. And then I said to her, isn't this your sister? And then she says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I says, isn't your sister dead? And she went, yeah. I said, but you've left all your property and assets to her. And I said, this executor, have you told her where your will is and kept? And she goes, no. I said, well, you need to update this will and take care of it. And again, that comes to your point of what you're talking about. You, you need to update this paperwork as your life changes. If you're going through a divorce, there's a lot of blended families out there, especially if a business owner, you, you want to make sure that, that that is taken care of in your estate plan or, or anybody and, you know, with a lot of blended families. You want to make sure that as your life situation changes, that you make the changes also to reflect what your wishes would be inside the will. Excellent. So uh, any last kind of uh, bits of advice for avoiding what you went through that we haven't covered yet? <laughs> I would just say that you need to have an estate and will, and not only just the will, but also have a uh, power of attorney mandate in Quebec here, a mandate of incapacity if something was to happen, that uh, you you, you can be looked after if something was to happen to you. And even though you've chosen an executor, make sure you have the conversations. 
I say this more than often, is that conversations matter. And yes, some people, it might be uncomfortable, but you need to get it done. Because if you don't, you're just leaving that legacy and a and a mess. And, and a legacy isn't what you leave people, but it's how you leave them. So do the things that you can to make sure that, like you had said at the top of the show, that they're not going to be cursing your name when, you, when they're no longer no longer around. Thank you so much, David. Very much appreciate your time. Jason, it was a pleasure. Yes. And where can people find you in your book? You can just go to davidedy.com and on there we've got, I've got free resources. I've got an executor checklist. I've got uh, a quiz that you can answer. What kind of family are you? You can purchase the book at any of the online retailers or it's available at uh, Indigo. But if you just go to davidedy.com, you can get all that information. Excellent. Thank you, David. And that was today's interview with uh, David Eady. Hope you enjoyed that. And if I, hammered, if I haven't hammered this into you enough, make sure your estates are taken care of because uh, it is a painful mess when things do not go right. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever is your podcast. Until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals, business owners, and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca. You can even ask Surrey, Alexa, or Google Home to subscribe for you. 